Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh, serve fast, serve friendly, lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs. Bristol, Tennessee is the home of the Bristol Motor Speedway, but more importantly to Kentucky fans, it is the hometown of Derek Horde. Nationally, Derek was in a recruiting class that included Isaiah Thomas, Ralph Sampson, Dominique Wilkins, and Sam Bowie. Along with Bowie, Derek came to the University of Kentucky with All-American honors to play for Coach Joby Hall from 1979 to 1983. We will hear about his years at Kentucky and what those teams endured with an injured Sam Bowie. Oscar and Derek will look back at his last game as a Wildcat, which was the 1983 Dream Game in Knoxville. There's some fun stuff in here, including Derek talking about his favorite actors, one of his hobbies, and shades of the past joining Coach Hall's staff. And I think you will enjoy Oscar and Derek's discussion on his former coaches. I'm Bo Robinson, and if you're not careful with this episode, you might learn something from Derek Horde. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs and his guest, Derek Horde. Derek, been over three decades. Doesn't seem that long since you laced up your sneakers at Memorial Coliseum. It's gone fast, hasn't it, Oscar? It sure has. It's gone too fast. <laughs> Growing up in uh, Bristol, which did you consider your native state or your home state, Tennessee or Virginia? Uh, Tennessee, for sure, even though I was born across the street in Virginia. Uh, the hospital, uh, you know, State Street divides it, uh-huh. and State Street ran directly behind my house. So if I went across there, I was in Virginia. But uh, where we had to be born at that time, I was born in a hospital that was actually in Virginia. What was your childhood like? I had a good childhood. I had a great neighborhood, a lot of friends. I, I, you know, I didn't have any siblings to grow up with, but I had a lot of friends. Um, um, you know, like most kids, you, you play out in the neighborhood, uh, had rules. You know, when the street lamp came on, it was time to come on in, that kind of thing. During the summertime, you might get a little bit more time, but... Had a lot of great friends in, in uh, my schools. Uh, the schools that I went to were were super. Uh, so made a lot of great friends through school. And then athletics, got into athletics. So uh, we did things that you don't see a lot of kids doing today. We, we rode our bikes <laughs> for a long distance with our fishing poles and, you know, things like that. Uh, but I had a good childhood. My grandmother raised me until I was 12, and I think that, that really helped me uh, – a great deal you know we went to church on sunday and if i said anything in the neighborhood she heard about she heard it, it and i didn't want to i didn't want to you know <laughs> get the wrath of her but yeah it was a good childhood uh athletics very early in your life basketball but more importantly you were a pretty good academic student well i guess i was all right uh, uh, i mean where you were you a Class president, several years in high school. 
Well, uh, I was class president. Yeah, but that, you know, you, academics didn't have as much to do with that as popularity, I'm afraid. So uh, I, I was fortunate to make a lot of friends throughout uh, my entire school years, and, and I think that had a lot to do with it. Did you play other sports other than basketball? I did. Um, started out uh, playing football and baseball. And, uh, you know, football, I could see sort of the writing on the wall my eighth grade year. Yeah, I'm 6'3", and, and I probably don't weigh 165, 70 pounds, but the coach decides to play me at fullback. <laughs> so the uh, first game of the year, um, I'm running the ball. I'm about four or five uh, feet from a touchdown, and these two small guys c- collide on my knee. That was the end of the football career. You know? and not only did it hurt a lot, but I, I'm like, I don't think I can play basketball. But I started out playing baseball uh, along with basketball. I got I got beat up a lot in in, in basketball. So the the neighborhood guys, uh, every Saturday and Sunday, they taught me how to play play basketball, and I'm I'm glad that I stuck with that. By the time you're a sophomore in high school, college basketball and recruiting in particular had become the in thing. Uh, camps, mm-hmm. the OBC camps down in Rensselaer, up in Rensselaer, and then down in Milledgeville, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, you come to the era of Sam Bowie and Ralph Sampson and James Worthy and Dominic Wilkins. And I mean, it was a fun time in college athletics. And I guess you saw that on a high school level as coaches come started visiting you. Yes, they did a little bit. You know, I was very fortunate. Uh, uh, my high school coach, and, and that, that's another thing, I'd always had good coaches that taught good fundamentals. So even, you know, from grade school on, uh, we learned quickly. We learned the right way. And by the time I was uh, uh, getting into the sixth grade, I never will forget seeing Coach Chambers at, at our ball games, And that impressed me. And through junior high and the whole nine yards. And Coach he, Chambers was your high school He was my coach. high school coach. That's yes. correct. And, uh, of course, he was great with fundamentals. But every coach I had was, too. But it impressed me that, you know, he would be there even at grade school. And um, it, 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 was, uh, it, it was a unique experience to grow up. And, and, like I said, I got taught by a lot of the older guys in the neighborhood, old, you know, guys that had been through college that were – you know, basketball was something that they just did for fun, but they knew basketball. So, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I played tennis. Uh, believe it or not, I, I threw You still play a little tennis and a little golf too, I think. Well, I didn't I didn't play golf yet. But, but I, you do I, now. I do now. I've heard about hole in water too. <laughs> I've had two. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I played uh, played tennis and I threw the discus in track. And I actually um, was, was uh, second in the state for Tennessee in, in the discus. And, um, you know, I, I had announced that I'm coming to the University of Kentucky. And then for some reason they, they found some kind of rule that if you participate in a spring all-star sport, you can't participate in a spring high school sport. So I, I wasn't allowed to, to throw uh, my senior year, which, you know, the guy that had beaten me the two previous years graduated. So, you know, I miss out on that. But that's, that's, the, that's Tennessee for you. <laughs> <laughs> When did you first uh, start thinking about maybe being good enough to play college basketball on a scholarship? Mm, good question. I, it probably took me. I used to have to ask my coach, you, you sure I can do this? You know, some of these camps with some of these guys uh, and, uh, you know, the confidence that he had in me uh, helped me a whole lot. Um, you know, like you, you mentioned a couple of the camps and it was it was phenomenal education to go and, 
see the Sam Bowie's, the James Worthy's, uh, Isaiah Thomas's, and play against them and and compete and do pretty good. Uh, and so we'd have conversations. He said, well, how, you know, how did you think you did? I said, well, you know, I did okay. I, I've got a lot of work to do. And he said, you're right in there. What camps did you go to? Well, uh, we, we came to Kentucky. That was a big one at the time. They had a lot of a lot of good players would would come here. Uh, Tennessee used to have a real good team camp. And uh, Stu Aberdeen, I, I know oh, you remember yes. that, oh, yes. that name. Stu Aberdeen actually was probably one of the first coaches to – to put my name out there a little bit, I said, you know, there's, there's a guy that's going to start as freshman uh, for high school, which, you know, wasn't heard of back then much. And uh, that, that publicity got a lot, of, a lot of attention. But it was a great camp. And then we went to the uh, BC camp in Milledgeville, uh, went to North Carolina's camp, uh, went to with some other team camps. So I uh, saw a lot of great talent uh, at a lot of these camps. That's before they had a, uh, AAU and any of that kind of stuff. So that's where we all played. Uh, in high school, you were three-time All-Stater, twice All-American, Parade Magazine, McDonald's. When did Kentucky start recruiting you heavily, and what schools did you end up visiting and considering? Um, let's see. Kentucky probably started 76, 77. And, you know, growing up, I was a Notre Dame fan, basketball fan. I loved the the, the – uh, the Bruce Flowers, the Adrian Dantley, the Dwight Clay, the Shoemakers, uh, the Shoemake. I loved those teams and uh, followed them. I loved the way Adrian Dantley, that because he, you know, was 6'5", played inside a lot. And that's uh, – I tried to steal some of his moves for, and, and utilize those. And uh, <clears throat> there were some people uh, um, in Bristol – uh, you probably remember them, Larry Qualls, Faye Qualls, yes. and they had twin sons, Kent and Kevin, who later came to right. Kentucky as, as trainers. Well, it, they were managers on the high school team, and somehow uh, we got tickets to go see Notre Dame play Kentucky in Freedom Hall. Uh, Pretty guess, big spectacle, wasn't it? It was bigger than I thought it would be. <laughs> that, that was the year they had that, that big blizzard. And by the time I left there, it didn't take long. By the time they were warming up and – Probably midway through the the first half, I'm I'm like I like this Kentucky thing. <laughs> it, it, I, I hadn't seen you. Know, I'd been to Tennessee games, I've been to East Tennessee State games, but the Kentucky game it was it was like the pinnacle. So uh, that's that's kind of when I switched. One of the uh, one of the university's biggest donors over the years here at UK uh, at least had a business in Bristol. Bill Gatton, I think we used to call him. I can remember growing up in Hazard. And our TV station in Hazard was not from Lexington. It's from Johnson City, WJHL. Does that sound right? JHL. And WCYB was in Bristol. That's correct, yeah. And we always saw these car dealership ads, a Wild Bill Gatton. I mean, he was was sort of like Kaz Walker. Remember Kaz Walker? I don't remember him. He had a grocery store. Okay. Yeah. Well, I tell people about that. I say, you know, I I had the fortune to be able to work for him. That was my summer job during the summers. And and then on Saturdays during the season, I would even do that. I worked back in the wash rack, and that that allowed me to get some spending money and put some gas in my car and that kind of thing. But I tell people, I said, you see the largest donor for the University of Kentucky, and you usually see him in a three-piece suit, you know, five or $600 suit. Imagine a commercial with a with him with a cowboy hat on and diapers. I said, 
that's how he started out a lot of his fortune. And, and he was, he taught me some really good lessons back then. He says, I always treat everybody regardless of what they look like, uh, any customer the same. And, you know, that stuck with me, but I was uh, very fortunate to be able to work for him. Uh, the year that you came into Kentucky, you were considered North Carolina, Duke, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Clemson, and Kentucky. What did each of them have to offer you as what would attract you to those particular schools if you chose any other one? Well, uh, Virginia Tech was close. Uh, there were there were a lot of people that uh, I went to school with that, that would go into Virginia Tech. It was a good academic school, so I, I considered them. Um, uh, you know, when I compared them to some of the others that were – maybe a little bit further away. That's how I eliminated them, too. Um, Kansas was also in that, but distance was, was a big factor there. But I, I enjoyed their their coaching staff and the players that they had. Carolina was probably uh, the hardest decision because I thought the two programs were, were very similar uh, with the fan support that they had, the players that they, they got over and over, and, and I liked all their coaching staff. And that's – that's what I really fell in love with at Kentucky, all the all the fans, of course, all the coaches, and then all the players that they were getting. But it came down to, uh, I, I said, you know, where will I have the, the best opportunity for my parents to see on a regular basis? And it was closer. So it, it kind of came down to that and, and the overall support that the fans always have. You can go to a lot of places where Carolina's playing – that you won't see a full house, and just about anywhere where Kentucky goes, there's a full house. So those two, those were big decisions. Was it easy or difficult to not have Tennessee in that mix? Not really. Yeah, not, not really. I had a, a lot of friends that I played. You know, those older guys that I played on Saturday and Sunday. Don't you go to Tennessee? And they were serious. We, we, don't go there. Uh, the harder one was was North Carolina because I, I called Dean Smith the night before. I announced and I told him, and I can still hear, hear his voice today. And, and he said, Derek, I think you made a great decision. And he paused. He said, I think you would have made a better decision coming here. And he said, uh, if you change your mind, you call me, let me know. And if we don't have a spot here, we'll help you go somewhere else. And I just thought that was, you know, pretty good, pretty good thing for somebody to say. How was the six months to a year leading up to that time when – Everybody was trying to build, not just get one player, but trying to build a team. Yeah. There were there were a lot, a lot of schools trying to put together three or four guys. In that era, you didn't have the one and dunce, but you would tend to build up to try to have a senior dominated team once every three or four years. Right. So you'd try to bring in two or three guys, and your particular season come here, uh, Joe B. and Leonard had their asset on the big enchilada. They weren't going to just stop with <laughs> Derek Horde or no. Sam Bowie or Ralph. They were going to take them off. Yeah. And, and, and I think that was very smart. I think, uh, you know, as you well know, and a lot of fans well know, it almost uh, came to fruition with uh, with Ralph and Sam. Uh, Stepanovich, Stepanovich was here, and he really wanted to come, but I think he knew that Ralph or Sam was going to come. So, and if yeah, both of them come, he was really going to be behind eight ball. Right, right. And uh, several of us uh, came to visit at the same time and just, you know, while we were eating pizza one night, I think it was Minifield that just pounded the table and said, we're coming here, we're going to build a dynasty. And uh, everybody was in. You know, uh, Mike Tissall ended up going to Duke. But uh, we thought we had uh, Ralph. Sam had kind of told Dirk that he was coming. 
and then uh, uh, Charles. Uh, yeah. We played against, uh, with and against Charles, and he said he was coming. So we we had something we thought. So your 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 recruiting class that year was yourself, Charles Hurt, Dirk Minifield, Sam Bowie, and Tommy Heights. And Tom Heights, yep, yeah, yeah, that was us. Uh, you you get here. Uh, when you're actually being recruited, Kentucky's just coming off a national championship. Mm-hmm. Did that have any kind of effect uh, in recruiting where they say, hey, these other people are talking about, we just won the title, you're going to win the next one. Not only that, you're going to have a dynasty. Of course we heard. Yeah, we you'd hear that frequently. But, you know, that's what, that's what each one of us wanted. We wanted that kind of pressure. We wanted that kind of um, – that kind of spotlight, really. You know, I think we used to think, you know, where else do you get to play? Not like they are now. Every game is on television. But Kentucky played more than anybody else, really. UCLA, Kentucky, Notre Dame, and maybe North Carolina and Kansas. So we knew we were going to, you know, get the exposure. And, and everybody wanted to go to the next level. So we thought that uh, this would help us go to the next level. Let me ask you about uh, a sad part of that recruiting of that uh Kentucky in December of 1978, December the 16th, played Indiana and Bloomington, lost a heartbreaker in overtime, 68 to 67. And after the game, uh, two of the coaches had planned on flying down to Bristol to watch you play that night. And as uh, Jodine Jr., mm-hmm. Dick Parsons was supposed to fly down with the team doctor, who was a pilot. Dr. Bailey. Dr. Bailey. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the game, Dickie didn't make the trip, and so Joe brought his wife with him. And sadly, they clipped some trees trying to land, and Dr. Bailey lost his life. How did how did that hit you when you found out about it? It hit me pretty hard uh, to think that somebody, you know, lost their life coming to watch, uh, watch me play basketball. Uh, had you met him before? I had not. I had not. And uh, – a strange thing, you know. Later on, many, many, many years after that, of course, you know, I've been in uh, in healthcare and medical field for the last twenty five plus years. And uh, while I was at one of my jobs, I'm talking to one of our chief medical officers who knew his wife very well. Well, unbeknownst to me, she comes walking in the office, and I could tell something was a little different. But uh, long story short, she introduced herself. And uh, it was a it was a strange feeling, but uh, you know I was very sad that that happened, and and uh, yeah, it it stuck with me. It still sticks with me, you know, to think that that could happen. As as you arrive at Kentucky, your first year down here. Well, let, let me let me back up a bit here. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, you still like barbecue ribs? <laughs> I love barbecue ribs, yeah. <laughs> I was looking back at uh, at one of our yearbooks, uh-huh. and we always have a little section there on your likes and dislikes. And you, you like barbecue ribs. Your favorite movie stars at this time, 35 years ago, Harrison Ford and Clint Eastwood. <laughs> well, <laughs> Tell me a little bit. <laughs> well, they, they were the big guns back then. I still, you know, if – if Clint Eastwood's coming across the screen, I'll, I'll stop and watch him. And uh, Harrison Ford was just, you know, uh, getting very famous with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and all of that. So, yeah, those were those were two biggies at the time. And it says that even in high school, 
you always had an eye for photography. You still have photography as a hobby? You know, I still love it, and I want to get back into it. Uh, I really do. I've been thinking about you know, starting over again, but I haven't done it in a long time. In fact, I reached out to uh, um, some of the guys that still film at the games, and, and so I have, I have plans to get back into it. I've got a picture I want to give you a little bit later, but it's really a neat portrait of you holding a camera. And it was made by, I think you'll remember this name, Alan Malott. Oh, yeah, Alan, yeah. He was my photographer, and he's also a professor at UK. Yes, uh-huh. well, because I took, I took some of his classes. Oh, okay, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> uh, first year at Kentucky, uh, you guys go 29-6, and 15-3 in the SEC. What do you remember most about that freshman year? Seemed like we started with Duke and ended with Duke. <laughs> that year. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up and not me. And it was all so close yeah. in each game. Yeah. I think uh, I think Big Sam missed a free throw or something in the first game near the end before we went in overtime. Uh-huh. And I think our friend Kyle missed a shot that – and that was in the in the uh, Sweet 16 here at Rupp Arena. Right, right? yeah. It was on our home court, so – yeah, we were feeling a little bit better when they came here, but uh, yeah, I, I won't be able to forget that. That was quite. That's the way you want to open up a, a, a college career: the win, lose, or draw. Play against a you know good competitor like that. Second year, uh, twenty-two and six. Your final, you were number eight in both polls at the end of the season. You beat a number nine Ohio State during the regular season. You beat number five Indiana. You beat number two LSU late in the season. Uh, that particular year, Joe brought somebody on board. Uh, actually, brought a couple people on board, I think. Uh, Bob Chambers. Yes, he did. And uh, you had Dick Parsons here then. You yeah. had Leonard Hamilton. I think Joe D was still here, wasn't right. he? he was. But he also brought another guy on, and I've got to get you just tell me now. I don't think anybody would ask you then. Didn't last the full season, but uh, how did the Harry Lancaster deal work? Coach Lancaster worked okay for me. Now, there were certain guys that uh, when they saw him walk in the room, they'd walk the other way. Cause he, he was, was he old school? Yeah, he was old school and wasn't shy about getting on you. Uh, <laughs> I remember one or two stretches where it got very quiet uh, pregame uh, uh, before we go out for the warm-ups and everything, and I guess somebody was kind of giggling a little bit and that kind of thing, and he, he shut it all up, and the, uh, that, that military sound – came out and he made his point yeah uh, as the rumors were back then i mean he didn't last the whole season in other words he started coming in less frequently to the practice right and, and the rumors were is that a couple of players had sent word to joe that hey if he keeps coming here i ain't coming <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to dispute that oh i don't know about that like i said he didn't bother me i, I you know uh <laughs> what was it like with bob being here with you it was a good feeling. Uh, you know, I felt for him because I know uh, there are always a lot of rumors when something like that goes on. But there was somebody that I could, you know, kind of ask him questions that, that knew my game and that kind of thing. And Not to mention, um, uh, he was really a good – when you needed something right then and there on the spot, a defense, an offense, or something like that, he was one of those coaches that could draw it up really good. So, I think everybody really liked him and respected him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A tough inning that year. You got upset in the SEC tournament in the first game of Vanderbilt. 
and then you got upset by UAB uh, in the uh, Tuscaloosa, the first round of the NCAA there. You, you remember anything about that? I, that had to be sort of a low spot in your four-year career over expectations versus final results. Oh, I agree with you. Um, seemed like UAB had our number. It was a kid, uh, Robinson. He was one of those guys that uh, we'd see at camp. Super nice guy, but a great player, underrated player. And I think he just had a phenomenal game. And, and it seems like some of the smaller uh, teams would get up for us. And, and, and they the were a relatively young program. They'd only yeah. been in existence for like four or five years. Oh, absolutely. And they just – they played better than us. For some reason, we and could – And that was Gene Bartow, by the way, that that's was right. our coach. That's right, Gene Bartow. We, we could fizzle, and it's hard to put your finger on it. We could we, we could go through a stretch and play really well and then fizzle. You know, it used to be called January slump, but I think uh, part of it is after you play the, the big guys and then you, you go and play Ole Miss, sometimes you have a little bit of letdown and we didn't recover well. But that was that was not a good feeling. I, I know we've talked many times over the cupcakes of today versus the cupcakes when you played. And you only played 26 games a year. Right. You didn't get to play 30, 35 games. And your November-December schedule was like a top-10 list. And, and I guess it was true that once you got through Notre Dame, Kansas, Indiana, mm-hmm. Ohio State, mm-hmm. then suddenly you're going to go play Auburn. <laughs> you know, like, uh, uh, well, fellas – Y'all take this, you know. We'll, we'll wait for the big ones <laughs> until they got Charles Barkley. Then it changed. That changed a little bit. But yeah, it was. It sometimes it felt like a letdown, and uh, that's part of the growing up um, that we had to do. That we had a hard time with. Well, after your sophomore year, everybody thought, well, that that was just you know, a little bad luck. Next year, everything's going to go great, and then you really got a sucker punch before the next season started when Sam went out. Right. Right. Um, yeah, you can look at that in so many ways. Here's a kid that uh, uh, has so much potential. Um, I'm not sure if that was during a period where he had lost his father or his father was sick or whatever, but you see a kid that's struggling a little bit, not to mention what he adds to your team. I mean, you have Sam, you have Melvin, you have you know th- those two playing together. It's, it, it just makes you a totally different team. And, uh, yeah, it, it had an impact. I think about it a lot of times uh, – I don't know if me being on that team uh, with them would have had a a, a, a big a difference, but I certainly would have loved to have played with them. Yeah, the, the the thing with Sam too is that you you never could get identified at the time how long he was going to be out. That's true. It yeah. was a stress fracture. Yeah. And they first said, well, you know, it's probably going to be two weeks instead of four days. Right. Then two weeks stretched into three, and then it just kept on. So you lost him the whole season. So you ended up. Uh, getting beat in the SEC tournament, first game to Alabama. Mm-hmm. You end the season that year with no buoy, but you're 22 and 8, 13 5, league champions. You beat Indiana, number 10. You beat number 13, Alabama, twice. You beat number 16, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But you lost to Alabama in the first game of the SEC tournament. No, in the finals. You actually played them to the championship, but it was here at Rupp. Mm, okay. Yeah. And then you go back and you play Middle Tennessee in Nashville. Yeah, at Vandy. At Vandy, and I think Louisville was waiting in the wings. Oh, we could see him over in the stands. 
Yeah, you know, we could. They they were like a dog waiting to jump on a piece of meat over there. They wanted us, and we wanted them. A lot of people think we were looking ahead. Uh, I, I think for some reason, I remember. I, I go back in my mind, and I, I think about the practices, and then some of the shots and things like that. And for some reason, I think we were uh, just a, a tad bit off, maybe a little tired. A lot of our shots were front of the rim, back of the rim, you know. And usually that's a sign your your legs are a little bit, a little bit dead. But no, we weren't looking ahead. You know, we wanted to play them as much as as they wanted to play us. And uh, did 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 the uh, loss to Alabama at home in the SEC tournament, which would have been Joe's first SEC tournament championship. Was there any after effects that played into it from that? I, I would say it probably did. You know, you're you're not going into the tournament on the right frame of mind. You're you're going with let's turn it around. And uh, you know, after you play a, a you know a crucial season like we had, and and to play fairly decent, uh, you know, like I said earlier, combinations of you know, things going on with Sam, uh, maybe a little tired playing the SEC so much, and then. I really think we were looking forward to the tournament. Here's a different tournament, but we didn't go in with the full attitude that we we should have. So that ends your junior year, mm-hmm. but you know that last year is going to be something special because Sam is going to be back. That's what we were hoping. Yeah. What you were hoping, and then you yeah. get to the fall, and it doesn't happen. No. He's not back. No. How big a disappointment was it when you guys, right before the beginning of the season, learned that Sam's not going to be here? I was a big – it was a big, uh, you know, hit over the head. Particularly you guys that came in as a group. Yeah. And, and again, you're thinking, you know, because he went through a lot. And you could see the scars and the things, that, you know, with his leg. And so you knew it wasn't just uh, something very small. But uh, I think most of us were thinking, gosh, here, here's a guy that's having to go through it rather than, man, we're, we're going to lose our – you know, our, our key player on the team. Here's a guy that's struggling. You know, we felt for him probably as much as we did anything. And it ended up being sort of an up-and-down year at times. You got a big win early over a number four team by the name of Villanova yeah. that won the title two years later right there at Rupp Arena. Right. And that sort of seemed to think, hey, things can come together here. Uh, you beat number 20, Tennessee, 69-61. to But – that particular year, the, the the SEC wasn't as strong as it had been for a little while. Right. Then you got to the tournament, and again, you lost the first game to Alabama and Birmingham. Yeah. So at that point in time, the way I remember, everybody's a little bit low. Like yeah. you know, where we're we going to go from here. That's right. And then you get end up going to Tampa. Uh, you beat Ohio U, fifty-seven to forty. And then you get a little bit excited because you get to take old Bobby Knight in Indiana again. And not many people gave you a chance of winning that game. Yeah. Yeah. It was always uh, – anytime we played Indiana, and I don't have to tell you, but it, it was an interesting ball game. Number one, they they ran their offense to perfection. And Coach Hall always said, you know, they set a lot of moving screens. So we – we would always have probably the most physical practices uh, before any any ball game as much as we did for Indiana. It was physical. And the game was physical because he said, you know, to make the officials call the moving screens, you got to run through those those screens. And so <laughs> there were a lot of bodies on the floor. Well, going into Indiana, you had Kentucky, Louisville, and Indiana all there together. 
And uh, when Indiana came in, I think they were ranked number five in the country. You guys were ranked number 12. You beat them 64 to 59. Okay, you get to you get to Knoxville, one of your favorite places, Stokely Athletic Center. <laughs> uh, maybe the only time in history that I actually saw Tennessee fans rooting for Kentucky. You saw some? I saw a number that day. Only against Louisville, though. <laughs> Never any other time. They weren't for us when we beat Florida State there. No, no. That's, I remember that ball yeah. game. Yeah. But they were for Kentucky that night. And you line up Louisville just beating uh, Indi- uh, Arkansas right. and Eddie Sutton. And so you, what went through your mind between the Indiana game and the Louisville game? Because – People were going nuts everywhere. Oh, yeah. It was a crazy atmosphere. I, I still remember, you know, uh, 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 Governor Brown had the two-tone uh, blazer on, and half of it was blue, half of it was red. Uh, the fans support the lights. It all seemed to be a whole lot different. Uh, I was coming out. I don't know if you remember, but I think it was uh, the last home game against Tennessee. And I twisted my ankle real bad. So I still wasn't 100%. And I wish today that I probably sat out of a game. But back then, players, you know. No, you, you, you didn't sit out. You got to cut it off or, I, you know, I'm playing, you yeah. know. So uh, and I wasn't 100%. But uh, Well, your yeah. last two or three games, you were really yeah, yeah. under the weather. Yeah. yeah, the ankle wasn't wasn't there. But still, the adrenaline the, the adrenaline was flowing. We, we wanted that because we – We've heard all the rumors and things that were said, even though it's a little bit of a distance between Louisville and Kentucky, and and uh, I really felt like we were going to do it uh, and, and had that opportunity, but it just didn't work out that way. And, and they were they were a double-digit uh, favorite that day by yeah. the bookies. And uh, you had a lead the first half, uh, right. seven or eight points. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 seconds to go to the game. You've got the ball, tie score, timeout. You take it from there. Uh, shucks, it's hard to uh, – so many things go through through my mind. It, it, it seems to me that we had opportunities and missed some easy baskets. Uh, I can't remember if it was the uh, the overtime, if it was in overtime or at the end of the ball game when Minifield was going down. Okay, that was with the 20 seconds to go to the game. They called timeout. Yeah. And Joe calls a play. But the play is don't work the play until it's nine seconds. Right. Then nine seconds work the play, and Benefield was supposed to drive into the top of the circle. And if they collapse on him, he was to kick it out to either Maestro on one side, and I forget who it was on the other side, uh, to take the jumper. Right. And he gets it, and he sees a spot open mm-hmm. with about 14 seconds to go, and he drives the bucket off the – baseline and there's a lot of people to this day saying that you know he really didn't know where he wanted to dunk it or lay it in and the decision allowed the Louisville player to come up and he may have not blocked it but he altered the shot right right well I've heard Dirk say that yeah Uh, you know I forget who we played it might have been uh, Mississippi State where Dirk had that phenomenal dunk it's Mississippi State at Rupp yeah yeah. I watch that at least twice a year where I want to or not yeah there will never be a dunk Uh, no no, no, his waist was up level with the goal I know (laughs) and he he said I wish I'd gone up with that same frame of mind and just tried to dunk it that way the officials would have had had to call something. So that sticks out on my my, my mind. But that wasn't the end of the game. That wasn't it. Because they went down to 
had scored, yeah. and then you came back on your end, and Master hit a jumper. Right, Master sent was... in overtime, but it sort of appeared like that you guys were spent. You didn't have any guys left in the tank once you got to overtime. They were, they were, they were trending up, and we were, we were either flat or going the, the other direction. It was kind of like the the wind got out of our sails a little bit, and uh, I think it. Had we had that one good play, that could have could have got us over the hump, but uh, it, it just didn't. And what was it like when you went to the lock? That was your final time to wear the big blue. That was the final time. And not only that, that was – I'd never won in Knoxville. So uh, every game I played in, in Knoxville for Kentucky, uh, it, was a, it was a loss. So um, that was in the back of my mind. Here, we're going to win this one. But um, it, it was sad. It, it was sad, you know, you, I still think about it a little bit. And – uh, I remember seeing Coach Crum out in the hallway afterwards. Well, <laughs> I, I remember Coach uh, uh, Governor Brown came in first and, you know, said some things to us and was real nice. But, uh, uh, you know, all of those uh, will, will always be etched there. Your four years here, what was your most memorable game? Most memorable? It's hard to say. You mentioned the Villanova game a few minutes ago, and I think I had a pretty good game there. And uh, that, that that might be it, or one of the Notre Dame games. Uh, seemed like I always got up for for Freedom Hall. I don't know why. Since that's the first time I got to see him play live, to play good in Freedom Hall was was always something good. This may sound redundant, but what's your biggest thrill as a Wildcat? Biggest thrill? Oh, that's hard pinpointing one. Because uh, there were so many biggest thrills, I, I'd say the time that we, the biggest thrill, you know, when we got to go over to the Orient and travel around and play, uh, we played in Japan, we played in Taiwan, we played in Hong Kong, and we played against some uh, some foreign national teams that, that, that I think people would have loved to have seen some of those those games. You know, the the Florida and the Russian, not Florida, the, the Russians and the, the French. And we had some battles, and they would have loved to have seen uh, my, my old roommate Charles Hurd battle against some of these guys. It was a lot of fun. Is that something that you probably would have never done had you not been playing basketball? What's that? Make the travels over to Orient like that. Oh, probably so. You know, it enabled me to be able to go back over there after I finished and, and play a little bit uh, when I finished up at Kentucky. So it was a great experience. It was great being with the guys. I think it's a good team-building thing, you know. It was a nice experience. Most influential person in your life? Uh, most influential living, or it doesn't Either. matter. Either. Probably my grandmother. Um, she she kind of set the tone for me. She was uh, a very hard worker, somebody that uh, was spiritual. Um, uh, so my grandmother. Tell us a little bit about your life after UK baseball. You graduate. What happens next? Well, yeah. well, first you you were drafted. I know yeah. you didn't go there, but you were drafted sixty seventh, right, in eighty three to okay. Cleveland to the Cavaliers. Seemed like they had a line on us there for a while because I you think Melvin and yeah, what Dirk and Dirk. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Winston. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I think Winston went there and and I uh, played with him uh, during the summer uh, out in L A. I actually played pretty good, so I was I was kind of devastated after. I had one really bad game, but the other games, uh, I think there was five altogether. It was a great experience. You know, I've got no uh, 
uh, ill will about anything. I, you know, a lot of people would dream to have that that kind of opportunity. But after that, I hit the you know the, the real world. Uh, worked for Valvoline Oil for a while in in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, the only two places I'd really ever lived were you know Bristol and Lexington. So. <laughs> Uh, I felt like I was in foreign territory a little bit till you know I watched the Steelers come on. It was great. I was there for about three years and uh, had the opportunity to come back to Lexington in sales, and that's when I got into pharmaceutical and biotech sales, and that's when my healthcare career began. And seemed well, to be doing very well. Well, you know, it's it's been fun. It's it's been uh, made a good living. Uh, met some tremendous people, a lot of doctors and. Uh, a lot of administrators and hospital personnel, and, and some of them are, are my greatest friends today. Uh, so it's been a it's been a unique and great experience. And, and what what are you actually doing now well, in I'm, the field? I'm director of outreach for uh, the Sanders Brown Alzheimer's Disease Center, which most people don't know where the name came from, but it actually came from Harlan Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and Governor John Y. Brown. That's where I got the name of a grant from, from them started uh, with Dr. William Marksbury. Uh, in 1979, they opened the Alzheimer's Disease Clinic, and it's a, it's a nationally renowned, uh, what they call ADC, Alzheimer's Disease Center. And there's more research done, people don't realize this either, there's more research done for Alzheimer's disease right here in Lexington than anywhere else in the world, which is, is phenomenal. People in Chicago and New York know more about all, uh, uh, about Sanders Brown than a lot of people here in Lexington. So, and I've been fortunate to be there for a while. Let's talk a little bit about people that have impacted your life from sports. Uh, let, let's go through uh, first of all your coaches here at Kentucky. Uh, uh, you've talked about Bob and what he's been to you personally mm-hmm. in high school and here, uh, Leonard Hamilton. Well, Coach Hamilton, I told somebody not too long ago. I said. Uh, when they wrote the book about uh, recruiting in general, recruiting athletes, they probably had Coach Hamilton in mind. Um, he he knew where I went to church. He knew where I got my hair cut. He knew, you know, where I was playing ball on Saturdays. But he never – that's the one thing I liked about Kentucky and North Carolina. There was never a rules violation. So uh, we still stay in contact, not as much uh, as I'd like, but we're still in contact. I went to see him play. Last year in Louisville and sat behind the bench. Uh, and, and Rick's up one side and Coach Hamilton's here, so that was a great experience. You know, I, I mentioned this before on uh, another uh, uh, media outlet, but uh, the thing about Leonard is he, it's genuine. Yeah. And it's not uh, dated. No. Uh, I remember just four or five years ago here when Melvin Turpin right. passed away. Mm-hmm. And we were at the funeral home, mm-hmm. and Leonard walked in. And he had not seen Melvin's son in quite some time. And he was in a junior college, wasn't playing very well, just big. Yeah. And he was he was going to be out of school after that sophomore year. And Leonard said, no, you're coming to Florida State. Yeah. That's the kind of person he is. Yeah. People like that, they don't get a lot of credit and they don't look for a lot of fanfare, but he, do, he does a whole lot. And, and uh, I feel fortunate to have And been. would you have ever dreamed – when he was here, came here in uh, June or July of 1974 and would still be a head coach in 2017 and got a dang good team this Got a year. really good team. And here's the – if you look at him, 
especially from, you know, 10, 10 yards away or so. It doesn't look like no, he's changed much. No, it doesn't. I mean, and it, it doesn't look like he's added the years that he's added. No, it sure But doesn't. anybody that can sell Michael Jordan, he's the recruiter of the of the century right there. That's right. I agree. Uh, let's go to Dick Parsons. Um, Coach Parsons had the ultimate respect for just uh, another ultimate recruiter. Um, one of the things I, I remember standing out about him is, you know, I wasn't always the first one out of the dressing room when I was in high school and he was recruiting me. But the thing that stuck out is he made sure he was in a, a view when I came out of that dressing room that I saw him and he would wave and then he would leave. Never made contact. And he was one of those guys that could get a lot out of you without saying a whole lot. You know, he used to say, okay, guys, uh, we can do it one time right or we can do it 15 or 20 times and the way he said it you know we a lot of times we'd have a easier practice uh, but we lo- love coach parson and joe b uh, uh, joe b is the main reason i came here i came uh, let's see I'm, I'm trying to think who they were playing but we went to a steakhouse and uh I, I must have gotten a hold of some bad mushrooms or something like that and i couldn't go out with the rest of the team uh, during that that evening and uh, Dr. Jackson came in and gave me one of his special little green pills. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody ever analyzed that green pill to see if it's got anything more than sugar in it? I don't know. It worked for me that <laughs> night. But I remember Coach Hall coming in. I was in I was in bed and, and just talking to me. And I'm like, yeah, I think I want to play for this guy. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that I did. He, he uh, I came up to camp, too, in uh, his camp and really enjoyed interacting with him then as well. Best college team you ever competed against north carolina would have to be in there because they only had two uh, uh dinky all-americans and james worthy and, and that other guy named mj and mj <laughs> that was before mj was mj when we yes. played him up in uh, the uh the meadowlands but you could you could These just was still holding under 20 <laughs> points <laughs> i think so um yeah, they they were they were awfully good. Uh, it'd be tough not to to find another group that was better than them. Best coach you ever played against? Um, you know, I think Coach Knight was an awfully good coach. Uh, I think uh, Coach Smith was an awfully good coach. So those are, and uh, those are probably two that the I would put up there. Most hostile arena you ever played in. Well, gosh, I'd have to go Tennessee since we never won there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I still remember some of the oranges coming down. Um, it was you know, half my high school was sitting behind the bench, you know, <laughs> with, with signs that they didn't like me. So that was that was a hostile place. <laughs> Best opposing player you ever competed against? Opposing, well, I've always said James Worthy is the best player I've ever played against. So he'd have to be. But I, I, I still remember seeing – Charles Barkley, the first time we played him, and uh, if he weighed 285, he weighed close to 300. And he, he did a pivot step around Melvin and, and dunked on him, and I took the ball out of bounds, and I'm just kind of dazed. I'm saying to myself, this this six-foot-six guy just dunked on our footer, you know, our seven-footer like it was nothing. So he got my, he got my uh, attention right there. If you were had a friend – that was, say, in his 40s, had a young son that was 15, 16. It's pretty obvious he's got a little bit of extra God-given talent that most people don't have. What advice would you give him about steering his kid over the last two or three years of high school, being recruited? 
Well, if he's really good and, uh, you know, things have certainly changed from when we were playing. So I, I would say, because uh, I know I do this with my daughter and she's getting ready to go away from college and everything, I say try to spend every every minute that you can and enjoy that. First off, it's a, it's a great experience and it'll be a great experience for him to know that you were there. Because uh, mine, mine didn't see me play until I was in, in college, really. Um, but I would say, you know, be careful. Uh, make the, the right decisions. You've been taught the right way. Um, the golden rule is, is what I always try to follow. So, But uh, if you think you're working hard, uh, step it up an extra notch because you're probably not. Work twice as hard as anybody else if you need to find the keys to get in a gym or – or break down the locks to practice more. And I wish I'd, you know, um, done a little bit more of that myself. Work hard. You ever regret anything you've done to, athletically over your career? Would you do anything different if you had it to do over? Yeah, I'd probably work a whole lot harder. I thought I was working, you know, pretty hard when I was here. And I I worked pretty hard in, in high school. I had we would we we had the keys to the gym, so uh it wasn't that wasn't enough in the you know, to shoot after uh, extra after practice or do those kind of things, you know, it wasn't enough. You got to do it. You got to really almost hurt yourself uh, to get better. You still watch a lot of college basketball? Watch a little bit. I watch Kentucky. I don't. You know, when it gets to tournament time, uh, uh, I'll watch a whole lot more. I follow Kentucky a little bit. Um, actually, watching a lot more volleyball now that my daughter does that. But uh, I, I try to stay up with the cats a little bit. Do, do you see anything you would change about the game today? Hmm. Um, it's hard to say how you would how you would change. I like the speed of the game. The athleticism has gotten a whole lot better. I mean, it seems like the the bigger, taller players that were one in a uh, you know a hundred back then. You see a lot more of those guys, and they're all athletic and can handle the ball. Uh, fundamentals. Uh, it seems to me like. If I had to say one thing, it's like fundamentals are, are missing, a little bit of fundamentals, and, and just that that knack. Like we're having a hard time rebounding at times. It, you know, that, that that's effort there. Yeah, so, Who's your best friend during your four years here? My best friend as a player? Yes. Um, you know, Tom. Who, who could you really – everything's down, everything's falling around. Who could you call up at? Four o'clock in the morning. Say, I need you to come over. Huh? It's probably Charles. Charles and I were pretty close. I knew Dirk. If I needed something, Dirk Dirk would do that too. But but my best friend came up and he was a manager here, uh, Marshall. Oh, oh, yeah, so, I love that kid. Yeah, I love it. And he tragically died pretty early, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he did. Uh, he he was a- epileptic and had a severe seizure and passed away. Yeah. We called him rerun, did we? They did call him rerun a little bit after the character that's on TV. Yeah, after yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah. He he was such a great great guy. He's, I mean, yes, he was. He, uh, I really yeah. miss him. We miss him. We, we miss him a lot. Yeah. The current cats, the program. How do you see the program today? Is it going in the direction that you are proud of? Well, I think it's going. Yeah, I, I think Coach Cal is is taking the system that's out there. And been able to take advantage of it better than anybody else, and 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 you see some of the other coaches that swore they'd never do some of those things. It looks like you know Duke says, "Well, we've we've got to do it." North Carolina, we've got to do it. I think he's provided an atmosphere for some of the best players to come and shine. Um, 
I wish there were a way where they could play a little bit longer, two years maybe, because uh, a lot of them, well, not, I won't say a lot, but some of them don't mature and uh, unfortunately aren't in there for a while. But if you sign the big contract, he's providing an avenue for you to, to make a great living. So I, I applaud him for taking that and, and, and being able to manage it. You were part of the Golda group here, probably the first group that I knew personally that the fans fell in love with. And, and part of that, I think, came as a result of Sam being out that you never were at full strength. And, but no one has ever suggested that your group was a failure or anything like that. Uh, how would you like to be remembered by when they write the history book of the 80s? Well, we we gave it our all, I think. I think we worked hard. Um, I, I'd like to be remembered as, as somebody that uh, respected the program, number one. Uh, when we put on, you know, the jersey, uh, I think we all bought into, we're playing for the storied program, University of Kentucky. And uh, we loved every minute of it, even the tough times. And, you know, I look back now and say, boy, those weren't tough times over those were just builder, you know, career builders. But uh, loved every minute of it. So probably somebody that respected the program and and wanted to do the best that they could for the program. How special was it to you? And sort of speaking for the other players too, when you all did the exhibition scrimmages mm-hmm. out in the state, all over the state that they don't do today. But the communities was like, I don't want to be sacrilegious or anybody's. I mean, you were something special when you came to that town yeah. for that exhibition game. I think that's yeah, – I was talking about that recently too. I think that's something that's missing, especially when these guys that are only here for a year. Um, I, I think it, it was tremendous to go to Paducah and and fill up a gymnasium and, and see what Kentucky basketball is to those people in Paducah and then go all the way to Pikeville and everywhere in between and see that it's like that everywhere we go. I mean, that, that had an impact that I think – the current system of players is never going to be able to see, unfortunately. And I, I wish there was a way they could do that again because it, it was a major benefit. Derek, you've always been special to me, special to the program. Really appreciate your time today. Well, well thank you, Oscar. I feel the same way. I was telling my daughter about the cat's paws the other day and, and what it meant and what it meant to the players. Uh, you know, you were, you were social media before there was social media <laughs> on the cat's paws, so thank you. We hope you've enjoyed Oscar's conversation with Derek Horde, and there's certainly much more, many more conversations with Oscar and former Wildcat legends. We certainly enjoyed bringing the history of Kentucky basketball to the Big Blue Nation, and for more episodes of Conversations, check out oscarcombs.com. Look for the podcast page. They're all right there for you. From there, you can access all the episodes for free, and you can take the O-Man wherever you would like, 24-7 with your mobile device. Conversations with Oscar Combs available through iTunes and the Google Play Store. Search at Wildcat News and subscribe. And for more great Wildcats coverage, follow Oscar on Twitter at Wildcat News. For Oscar and Derek Hort, I'm Bo Robinson thanking you for listening to Conversations with Oscar Combs.